Oh, was your knee? That was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah, right. Is this some sort of a joke? Three, two, one. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Why are you looking at me? I don't know, you laughing. <laughs> Go. All right. Well, welcome. <laughs> Editing room floor. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, welcome to the first episode of a priest, minister, and rabbi walk into a bar. We're so glad to have you here. We're taking a lighthearted look at religion. And if you're not a church person or a synagogue person or a religious person, you're in the right place because we're talking to you. A lot of people have questions about religion, maybe even some cynicism or anger um, at religious traditions. And we just want to like talk through all that and kind of a lighthearted look with religion. My name's Father Roger. I'm the pastor of a church called St. Hilary Catholic Church. We're in Tiburon, California, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, California. And I'm here with my fellow podcasters. So, Wow, yeah. that, was good. that was good. Thank you. I've been rehearsing that in my brain. <laughs> that was like you there. described what we're doing so nice and succinctly. <laughs> yes. Well done. And you are. <laughs> oh, me next? Yes. Oh, God. Sorry. I hit my microphone. Um, well, my, I guess technically my title is the Reverend Dr. Bethany Nelson. You're a doctor? I am. Oh, my gosh. I got, I got my doctor of ministry degree a year and a half ago, and I'm still not used to the title. But I'd go by Bethany. Um, so I am the associate pastor at Westminster Presbyterian Church, also in Tiburon, California. Going to hear a theme here. Um, I'll be celebrating my 20-year anniversary there in January. Awesome. So, so you started when you were five. Yes, definitely. <laughs> That's what I did. And who are you? I am Cantor Naomi Weiss, uh, not a rabbi. Um, we're fudging a little on the rabbi thing. Fudging a little bit on the rabbi thing. Um, but cantors are the, the singy versions of rabbis. Uh, we singing are rabbis. Singing. Right? Yeah, I would say rabbis know a lot more text, and I, I'm... An expert at the liturgy and the music uh, of the Jewish tradition, and I am the cantor at Congregation Kol Shofar in Tiburon, California. <laughs> nice. Well, we are on location at Hop Monk Tavern in Nevado, California, just a little bit north of Tiburon, and we're so grateful to the people here for letting us use this location. And we all have a drink, so let's toast. Oh yeah! For our inaugural episode. Cheers! Cheers! Cheers. There you go. I <laughs> have to cut out me spitting the ice out. No, <laughs> that's perfect. That's what one does. All right, so this is the first episode of a priest, a rabbi, no, a priest, priest a minister, and a, and a rabbi. rabbi walk into a bar at Chrismica. And we're talking about holiday traditions because we love the holidays. We love the holidays. Yes. So what are you guys's, can I say you guys's? Sure, okay, please. What are you guys's? Favorite holiday memory? So, you know, I spent some time in Baton Rouge. You could say y'alls. Yeah, what are y'alls? Yo. Yeah, I'm originally from Atlanta. Well, there so, you yeah, go. I See, mean, comes bring naturally. out the Southern. Come <laughs> on. Um, so I am a PK, which means I'm a preacher's kid. My dad is a pastor also. Um, so one of my memories is Christmas Eve is always a, a big time in a pastor's world. Lots of services, busy day. Um, and so... My dad would be at church pretty much all day long, but he would get a little break for dinner. And so he'd like run home from church and every single year growing up, he had one request, beef stew. <laughs> 
never, ever in the rest of the year did our family eat beef stew. But he wanted beef stew. <laughs> but he wanted beef stew on Christmas Eve. I think, I think it was because it was, in his mind, sort of hearty and comforting and something to yeah. sort of help get him through the rest of the day and all the yeah, services yeah. that he was oh, stating. But, um, but just so out of left field, but something obviously all these years later that has stuck with me, you know, but it's not just eating the beef stew. It's the fact that, you know, he made time in the middle of his busy day to come home, to have a Christmas Eve dinner with all of us, you know, something we shared together. Um, and then, you know, went off and did his thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. beef stew, I tell you, it is the new Christmas Eve tradition that you didn't know about. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have to give that a try. Beef stew. Nice. What about you, Naomi? Well, Favorite holiday tradition? Uh, well, Hanukkah is not a big holiday, but we always had the family just get together and light the Hanukkah menorah. And it's also not oddly a gift giving holiday traditionally. And my family was very traditional, but you know, there were socks, there were pajamas, you know, in terms of gifts. Very um, practical items. Very, yeah. Um, the big gift giving holiday was actually Passover. Mm. Um, and my best memories really are of, of Shabbat, of the Sabbath meals on Friday nights, which happened every week. Um, and it was a time for our family every week to really make that bubble of time for the family together to sit yeah. together. And I, I just have great memories of just being with my sisters and my parents mm. and, and connecting. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. For me, it was, uh, well, I grew up, um, I didn't grow up Catholic. I grew up Lutheran, Lutheran, uh, which is a non-Catholic Christian tradition. Did Look you not know that? Look learning new things about <laughs> you. I know, right, right. So you when, grew up Lutheran, huh? Yeah. Okay, carry on. Sorry. When the Reformation happened, you know, in the 1500s, so Martin mm -hmm. Luther was uh, one of the people who pointed out all the missteps that the church had been making recently. And so anyway, the Lutheran tradition started from that. But anyway, one of the beloved traditions in the Lutheran uh, denomination is uh, Lucia. Lucia Fest on December 13th. And so I grew up in Atlanta at a church called Lutheran Church of Redeemer. And really it was, we're celebrating Saint Santa Lucia or Santa Lucia. And uh, she was a saint of light. So the tradition is that in the early days of Christianity, when Christianity was illegal for the first 300 years, um, a, a lot of the Christians would gather in the catacombs below Rome and uh, to celebrate and to worship. And so Saint, Santa Lucia would carry a crown of candles, lit candles so people could find their way in the catacombs. And so- On her head? On her head. Like a literal crown? Yeah, it's not exactly safe. Heavy. Not exactly safe. But, okay, yeah. sounds very heavy. So they, cel <laughs> they celebrated that uh, every year in the Lutheran church on December 13th. And I remember there's a whole procession. A, a young girl would be picked, you know, with to wear this uh, crown of four lit burning candles and Entire in her white robe. I, I know, let's hope so, right? No accidents happened, at least not on my watch. And then there was this whole train of, you know, kids and I was a star boy and I get to wear this like pointed cap with stars on it and a little yeah. wand with a star on Lutherans it. Lutherans have all the good hair. Please tell me your pictures. <laughs> I do, uh, well, I, I don't know. I have oh. to look for them. Yeah. So I was adorable, I know. Right? <laughs> sure. So absolutely. that was my favorite memory. That's huh. amazing. Yeah. So we want to know, though, what is Hanukkah all about? Because this is a huge, major, important festival in Judaism, right? Hanukkah, right, right <laughs> around the same time of Christmas. It, it falls around the same time of Christmas, um, but it is on the list of holidays, maybe number eight or nine in level of importance. Really? That low? Oh. It's pretty low. Huh. Yeah. Um, 
And it's actually the celebration of a military victory of uh, a, a small rebel group called the Maccabees, Maccabees. Um, against the Syrian Greeks who were, uh, had outlawed the practice of all Judaism, were, were looking to unify um, all of the Syrian Greek uh, empire under, and they wanted it to be culturally monolithic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, the Jews really wanted to keep being Jewish. <laughs> And so um, they also uh, took over our, our holy temple in Jerusalem and defiled it with pig's blood and with all sorts of things. They took away all of the, all of the precious, precious vessels that were used in the rituals. And uh, they were definitely some of the bad guys in the Bible. Definitely were. <laughs> yes. Uh, Antiochus and his buds, Antiochus IV. Yeah. So um, it really celebrates the victory of this small band of... Um, of very devoted, very devoted uh, Jewish rebels uh, against a very large Greek army. Um, and then the rededication of the temple. So the word Hanukkah literally means dedication. Um, also, uh, it is on the 25th of the month, the Hebrew month of Kislev. So is that how you say it? I would say Chislev. Well, I'm learning to say Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Right? Yeah, it's funny because you don't know how to spell. There's no H sound in, in the English <laughs> alphabet. So how do you spell it? And CH, which is CH to us, yeah. which is very common. Or you could do the H with the dot under it or the KH, which so, looks really awkward. So it's Hisla. Hisla. It's actually the K sound, Kislev. Kislev. There's Milcha there. I'm I'm going back to the eighth or ninth most important holiday. So I would say if you were to ask a random Christian on the street, Mm -hmm. um, you know, name a Jewish holiday, Hanukkah, Hanukkah would probably be like maybe first off their mouth, maybe Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Yeah. So, so, so why do you think in society, like we non-Jewish folks, think that Hanukkah is so important? When really it's not. Is it just because it happens to be near Christmas? Literally. Because really? Christmas got commercialized, and very so, commercialized, yeah. and um, little Jewish children heard the song 12 Days of Christmas, and a lot of Jews think that there are 12 days of gifts. So it's hilarious that my Christian friends say, wow, you Jews get eight nights of gifts, and we only get one. I'm like, but no, you guys get 12, well, yeah, but- because there's a song about it, and there's, you know, partridge in a pear tree. And drummers drumming. And drummers, drummers yes. drumming, and ladies dancing. And, and so don't you get 12? So this was this misconception that got bounced back and forth. Yep, yep. And as Christmas is so beautiful, and there are the lights and the trees, and it's gorgeous. And how does a Jewish parent explain to their child, well, that's actually not our holiday, and we don't get to celebrate that, yeah. um, even though we have all of these other amazing holidays. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Christmas, not by its own nature, but in the culture that we live in, got so commercialized and upfront that, and then that song. <laughs> and, then, um, and then all of a sudden parents were feeling pressure to give gifts. And it's not even a gift giving holiday. It is mm-hmm. literally a holiday where you light lights. It's a holiday of light in the darkness, mm-hmm. yeah. um, in the darkest days of the year. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the blue all about, right? It's blue lights, right? Um, I think blue just has become the, 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 the color for 
for Jewish stuff, and now, <laughs> now there's probably an answer that my rabbi would know um, better about why you know blue he is Jewish stuff. Blue, blue is the color of Jewish stuff, but I think it it isn't red and green, and I think you're going to talk about red and green, so it's yeah. a distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although, in our Christian liturgical colors, the liturgical color for Advent is. Blue! Purple! <laughs> oh, yeah, we could talk about that. Yeah. We, we, do have, we do have blue in my prayer shawl. Uh, in the ancient times, it was that these, these, these prayer fringes, mm -hmm. um, one of them needed to be what it was called techelet. It's in the, uh, I think it's described in Deuteronomy. Um, mm -hmm. And techelet was a dye from, uh, ironically, some kind of crustacean that we don't really know much about or even know where it is. And they've recently found what that color was, and now you can you can buy your oh, fringes yeah. with that blue, and I think that that also might be related to why things are blue. The blue lights, yeah, okay. Light. Yeah, yeah. Do you all do purple at St. Hilary for It's Advent? purple, yeah. So Advent oh. is, uh, for those, anybody who doesn't know, Advent <laughs> is like the four weeks before Christmas, right? It's mm -hmm. a time of, like, preparing and people are supposed to slow down, right? They're supposed to yes, slow down. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely, yes. Take so. some deep breaths. So, you know, you talk about the commercialism and how huge Christmas has become, which is a pretty secular thing. So, yeah, and yeah. Advent yeah. really trying to push against that a little bit and be like, hmm, let's maybe not try to buy into the crazy commercialism. Instead, you know, let's slow down. Let's really consider what we're celebrating here. Wow. Let's really make sure our hearts and minds and bodies are prepared to welcome this Christ child. Yeah, it's You're creating a bubble, a bubble of Advent. Around yeah, yeah, around all the craziness. Yeah. Um, although it's hard, it's hard to fight it, against it, that, right? It, even it is. Even it in is. my church, we set up the Christmas trees. We already have a Christmas tree in the church because <gasps> <laughs> I love Christmas so much. Right? See, our former pastor, he's now retired, had like a ban on Christmas trees in the church. Really? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he said it was not not Boring. really a religious symbol. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> no, no, not Rob. No, our former, former pastor. pastor. Rob, okay. We are Rob's not bad man thing. Yeah. But that sort of continued. We don't have a tree. Yeah. yeah. That's really the way it should be. But we don't actually turn the lights on on the tree until Christmas. So that makes sense. That we're fudging a little bit there, too. But anyway, for Advent, like Advent, we do purple. Uh, you can do purple or blue, but purple is, was, is traditionally a, a color of royalty. And so Christians believe, you know, that Christ is the king. And so we're waiting for him to come into our hearts. And so we wear purple. What's the deal with yeah. blue? So, yes, many, many years ago, I think it was purple only. Yeah. Blue is kind of a new thing. Um, but purple is also the liturgical color in Lent, which is the season before Easter. Yeah. Oh. Similar reason, royalty celebrating Jesus. Yeah. So you have purple in Advent, purple in Lent. That's two purples. Eh, eh. So more recently, there's been a movement to blue. And I think it has to do with Mary because you know, oh. often Mary is sort of. Oh, yeah, blue is depicted associated, in yeah. blue, right? You see, a Catholic would know all about Mary. Right? I do, I do, I do. You, guys, yeah, well, another you episode guys do for Mary that well. You do. I've been to a couple of Catholic weddings, my friends, and you do Mary very well. Don't they? Yes, yes. yes. Um, so blue sort of drawn from, from Mary yeah. and turning that to sort of separate Advent from Lent. But maybe is we just stole it from the Jewish tradition. Oh no. Is yeah. blue and Mary um, like a water of life? Kind of thing is that what that symbol? Well, is? I think it goes back to some, you know. Oh, and we should say, by the way, that w that our opinions here are not representative <laughs> oh, yeah. of the various traditions <laughs> we here. We meant These are to say that opinions. at the beginning. <laughs> 
three individual opinions. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But uh, I think, if I'm correct on this, you know, the Eastern Church icons, if you've seen icons, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, blue and red were common colors, and blue symbolizes humanity, and red symbolizes divinity. So you'd often see Jesus with, uh, with his red and Mary with blue. I think I'm right about that, but if I'm wrong, please forgive me. But all I know- But you know what? All I know it's a good story regardless. <laughs> I like it, it makes sense. I, I like it, I let's like go it. with it. All I know is that I look great in purple. So I love the season. <laughs> and while we're talking about It really colors, brings out the eyes, right? <laughs> Well, I have blue eyes, I'm told, so the blue, maybe I should get blue vessels. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, there you go. But uh, that brings up the thing about red and, um, red and green as Christmas colors. Yes. So a lot of people, are, you see red and green everywhere at Christmas, mm -hmm. and green is a color of, like, plant life, right? Mm -hmm. Fauna, right? Mm -hmm. Flora. Flora. And fauna. Flora. Flora. And what's mm -hmm. fauna? Uh, the animals. Oh, sorry. Flora, <laughs> right? And... Um, you th would think I didn't go to school. Um, and green, evergreen, plants that are evergreen around the, around the year. And so Christmas, because it's celebrating Jesus who brought eternal life, we believe, brought eternal life to people. Uh, so that's the green. It's like symbolizing everlastingness, mm -hmm. uh, everlasting life. And then the red, I know this sets you off. The red Yes, goes, we already talked about this before. The red goes with the blood of Christ. And that's how the eternal life came, waiting, right? Through his death on the cross. So. I'm waiting for your reaction. Go, yeah, see, go, what's the issue? I, I I'm going to take a drink before you tell <laughs> us this. I just have trouble with the bloody Jesus, especially at Christmas. I mean, when we're, I mean, really, right. He comes as a little baby. When Why the blood? we're celebrating that cute little baby in the manger, I mean, come on. We don't have to go to bloody Jesus. So, so you had warned me before that those were, those were what the colors were. So I decided to do my own contra what is the anti-research like research oh, in opposite yeah. opposition research to your bloody jesus your op-ed <laughs> op oh no so i found getting a couple, called out here I found, no, no 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 i definitely saw what you saw the bloody jesus but i also saw some some theories that it came from holly because yeah. holly has the green leaves yep and the red berries. Yeah, but let me go into the holly. I'm so glad you, it's almost like we scripted this out. <laughs> no, 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 but <laughs> then I read something that the red actually comes from Coca-Cola. Have you seen that? Oh, what? come on, what website no. are you on? So, <laughs> you know that Coca-Cola's color is red, right? So many, many years ago, they had an advertising campaign and they had someone draw up like a Santa Claus and they gave Santa a red suit to be Coca-Cola red, and so then the color became but red. But didn't the Santa or the St. Nicholas come far be, be, uh, before Coca-Cola? Yes, he was but also apparently Coca-Cola, no, Coca-Cola gave him the red suit. Oh my. Again, my research could be flawed, but <laughs> I, I thought that was cool. I think there's some flawed research. <laughs> oh yeah, so, for sure. No, no, but I, I can't end on my bloody Jesus. So, <laughs> so for me, that just is like, signifies the, you know, the gruesomeness of his death. And I, at least in you know, my own personal faith, I much prefer to focus on the hope and the joy of his resurrection, right. not on the gruesomeness of his death. So that's why Absolutely. bloody Jesus at Christmas time. And of course, Christmas is all about his birth, right? Yes. Great. Birth, I mean, which if you want to go to Easter. Event. Which I mean, I could also have been bloody, but you know, that's a whole <laughs> <Yeah>. other. <laughs> okay. So, so anyway, red and green. 
There and you green. go. Well, oh, and you Holly, were going to talk about Holly. Yeah, the Holly. That's going to go the editing, editing I got room us floor, totally right? sidetracked by Coca-Cola. But you're not going to like the answer about Holly. <laughs> no, it's okay. You are not going to like the answer Car- about Holly because on. Holly, with its red, uh, what you call it? Red berries. berries is the same symbol. The red is, that's why it's a Christmas symbol. So the Holly has, what it called? What, what does it have on it? It has the green. Thorns. Holly oh, has the thorns. crown of thorns. What did Jesus wear on the cross? Oh, crown, crown of, of thorns. thorns, right? And it's green for everlasting life, and it's red for the blood. I'm sorry you can't get away from it, but we don't have to focus on it. Now you got blood Jesus. and thorns now to, to worry about. But let's talk yeah. about a great... So, yeah, when I was growing up, one the, the associate pastor at the church where I was growing up automatically said, we can't sing a hymn if it talks too much about bloody Jesus. So maybe, maybe part of it is like from way back in my childhood and sort of like learned behavior. So anyway. Yeah. Since we're talking about like some Christmas symbols, and we want to come back to Hanukkah, but I want to talk a few minutes about like Christmas symbols. There's another one that's much better than bloody Jesus. Thank you. Christmas bells. Christmas bells, right? Yes. Silver bells are ringing. Silver bells. Silver bells. Silver bells. Right. right. It's and, Christmas time. And if you've seen that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, I right? Which it. always comes out of Whenever Christmas. Whenever you hear a bell, bell ring, ring, Angel gets his wings. Exactly, right? Best and, movie ever. And there are other movies with bells in it, like Bells of mm-hmm. St. Mary. Maybe that's not a Christmas movie. But bells are in all kinds of movies in, in, in Christmas mm-hmm. time, including my favorite mm-hmm. Christmas movie, which is The Polar Express. You guys oh, seen that one? I've seen parts Children's of it. Children's movie. Now animated. I have to see it. Has the train, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's got the train, right? Mm-hmm. So the premise is that on Christmas Eve, this train comes and stops in front of this little boy's house. And in the middle of the night, he, he, he hears the train. He's the only one who can hear the train. And he comes out to the train. And um, he's invited aboard. And it turns out it's this whole train full of kids. And they're going to the North Pole to see Santa. Somehow they got lucky enough for that to happen. And they go all the way to the North Pole. There's lots of twists and turns and ups and downs and exciting adventures. But finally they get to North Pole. And this kid gets to meet Santa Claus in person. And he gets his special wish. And his wish was to have a bell from Santa's, one of rain, uh, Santa's reindeer on his sleigh, right? He wants that a bell was, from one of- His wish is a bell? A bell from Santa's reindeer, He can right? wish anything he wants, and, and he, he wishes wanted a, bell, a bell. If I remember correctly. So okay. he gets the bell, and he puts it in the pocket of his robe, right? Because he went in the middle of the night when he's in his robe, mm-hmm. and there was a hole in his pocket, oh. and he lost the bell. And he gets home, and he is beside himself. The train has taken off, and he goes to sleep, and he's totally like upset and sad. And the next morning, he wakes up, and they go through all the Christmas tree uh, presents under the tree with uh-huh. his family, and they open one last gift, oh, and it's, it's the, bell. the bell. And here's the kicker. Oh. Here's the kicker. He shakes the bell, and he can hear it ring, but no one else can. His parents can't hear it, but only he mm. and his sister. I think his you sister just had chills, can hear it. Like chills. Right? Yes. And the end of the movie is that only people who, who believe oh, isn't that can hear sweet. the bell. And so bells, bells are a symbol of Christmas hope and gathering yeah. people together. Yeah. That's beautiful. That is, that's lovely. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, I'm gonna go watch the Polar Express like this week. It's absolutely <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies. I haven't seen movies. it. It's on, yeah. I think it's on Disney Plus. <laughs> my favorite Christmas movie is Elf. <gasps> I love that too. I watch that every year. What do you love about it? It's just, you know, it's funny, but it has a good message. It's lighthearted. Mine is Fred Claus. <laughs> what is that? That's kind of a random. <laughs> Have you seen it? No. It's really good. 
Fred Claus. Fred Claus. <laughs> Santa's younger brother, who's really angry. It's a great movie <laughs> with a great message. It's What's really, the message? I don't remember. It's just a great. It's a, a great, great feel-good movie. movie good movie with a great message. Yeah. Are there Fred any good Claus. Hanukkah movies? Oh yeah, great question. Oh. No. I mean, you I, seem fairly well-versed on Christmas movies. No, yeah. Well, Chris, there are a lot of great Christmas movies. Yeah. So, um, so this brings up a, a question the for Hebrew me. The Hebrew Hammer. The Hebrew Hammer? <laughs> is that really it? Yes, and I haven't seen it. It's not really a Hanukkah. I, but I haven't seen it in long enough that I couldn't even tell you what it's about, but it was very funny. Okay. <laughs> there you Hebrew go. Hebrew Hammer. Add it to your must-see list. this is a list. Hanukkah <laughs> Christmas movie. Okay. So this brings up a question for me. And it's a little sensitive, but we talked about this before, so you're okay with it. Mm -hmm. So... Um, when I was uh, younger, uh, before I was a priest, I lived in Atlanta, and I'd always go to midnight mass on Christmas Eve at the cathedral, like that, which is the big, uh, it's kind of the big church where the bishop mm -hmm. is and everything, mm -hmm. and it's, they do everything with a lot of pageantry. And I loved midnight mass, and mm -hmm. I have a very close Jewish friend who would want to come with me every Christmas Eve. They loved it. They brought, she brought her family, and they would sing the Christmas carols and everything. And so I got a question. I got to ask, Christmas envy? Ah, Christmas envy. Got it? Yeah. So what's not to love about the lights, the 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 goodwill, the good cheer, the mm -hmm. and and we live in a Christian country. So everything is Christmas with it, the decorations and the commercialization for better or for worse, but yeah. you know, the beautiful windows at Macy's, the lights, you know, uh, Every year, I would find out where the good neighborhood to look at the good Christmas lights is. So who, sure. who doesn't want to yeah. do that? Um, so I think people who are, you know, observant, faithful Jews are are not going to have this envy. We have so many holidays, and mm -hmm. they don't fall in the winter necessarily. And what we do have for Hanukkah, we really enjoy. But how do you explain to a child who's raised in modern American culture mm. that, that that's not our holiday. It's, yeah. it's a hard thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, especially for, you know, assimilated secular families who aren't really observing all of the other holidays we have, which are fabulous and, uh, mm. like, and meaningful, and meaningful. Yeah. Sukkot is my favorite holiday. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that actually later today. Um, but you know, Passover and Sukkot and actually Rosh Hashanah and even Yom Kippur, which sounds like an awful holiday is actually a very joyful and amazing holiday. But, for somebody who's who's living in the more secular world and not not educated enough to really understand the meaning of these holidays and and how to observe them and really bought into it it's really hard to look at all of the christmas and and explain to your kid that's not our holiday and you don't get to do that yeah. so it's it's just hard it's yeah. it's on the, the children but, um, you, but yeah. you know what i'm you know what i'm really jealous of there's one holiday that you have that i'm really jealous yom kippur of. right no no that's the one uh, no it's purim right oh because you get to drink and get drunk right or is that just a myth? No, it's not a myth. Um, the rabbis, and it's 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 actually a. Um, there you go. Speaking you go. of, <laughs> um, the, the rabbis actually say um, that you should because there there is another, you know, averting another potential destruction of the Jews, um, mm -hmm. and uh, foiling you know foiling the plans of somebody who wanted to eradicate us, um, the the uh, evil Haman in Persia, mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, he's a bad guy. Um, and the, when we ritually read 
the scroll of Esther, which is the telling of the story of Purim, mm-hmm. uh, the rabbis say that you should celebrate and become so drunk that you, when Mordechai, who was the hero of the story, when they read his name and they read Haman's name, that you're so drunk you can't tell the difference. That, of course, has led to some concern uh, about, <laughs> first of all, drinking too much. And, um, yeah. and, and there are rabbinic stories about, uh, you know, arguments between dr- drunk people. And, uh, and, and so, you know, you have to Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to temper just the temper. That was the word I was looking for. Temper, temper your your understanding of that. Um, yeah. There are two holidays that people get extremely drunk on. Um, two, two. Yes, yeah, Simchat Torah, which is oh. the way end of that one month of holidays we have, starting with Rosh Hashanah, and then there's Yom Kippur, and then there's Sukkot. There's, we have an entire month of holidays that just mm-hmm. doesn't stop, and then the very last day is Simchat Torah, where we start our ritual cycle of reading. F- ritually from the Torah scroll. We end it, and then we start it again, roll back to the beginning of the scroll. It's a lot of fun. People get really drunk on that holiday as well. Um, that's the one I tend to drink more on. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's not fabulously appropriate all the time. And yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. but it, you know, I'll invite both of you to join us for Purim this year. And uh, I don't think we'll be drinking much, but we'll be celebrating and having a good time. I so. feel like we don't really have any drinking Christian holidays. <laughs> Kind of boring, right? We are, we are so boring. We got eggnog. Is that Christian? Yeah, no, that's more of a secular deal. Yeah. You see, we think of that yeah. as, a, as, a, as totally a Christian deal. Yeah, the Jews see, don't drink eggnog. Well, well, I mean, that's an interesting <laughs> thing about Christmas is that, you know, there are definitely some Christmas traditions that are absolutely secular that have nothing to do with the sacred tradition, right? And then, obviously, lots of sacred tradition as well around Christmas. But... Yeah. But really, I love eggnog. You, oh! Especially I, with rum or I need brandy I am not... Yeah. Brandy in my in my eggnog. Yeah, I'm not saying eggnog's a bad thing. It's just not a religious tradition to drink eggnog. Maybe we should come up with a. I have a question. A A drinking religious. There you go. I have a question for both of you. Inspired by our Jewish cantor friend, (laughs) we need a drinking Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you have a question. I have a question. So, um, at least from the Jewish perspective, Hanukkah happens right around the winter solstice. Mm-hmm. And it is a holiday of light. And one mm-hmm. could also speculate that, that there are some pagan traditions that were taken. Yeah. Are there any of the Christian traditions that that sort of got woven, like some pagan stuff got woven Ooh. into it with the solstice? Christmas. Oh, <laughs> Christmas. You want to take that one? Did, did you ask that question knowing the answer? Yeah. I, I imagine, <laughs> but I also don't know what the religious take on it is. I know what the yeah. sort of yeah. scholarly secular take is, but... But some of it yeah. may be truly deeply rooted in Christianity from the start. And then you've got a lot of pagan solstice stuff happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I wonder where the weaving happens. Yeah. Well, so even, I mean, even the cr- tradition of the Christmas tree, um, and help me out here. Yeah, yeah, I will. But I, I believe that actually started as sort of a solstice pagan tradition. And again, it's sort of back to the evergreen thing, right? Yeah. You know, the importance of evergreen and sort of life everlasting isn't just a religious thing, right? It's a, it's a natural world thing, too. You know, so celebrate the solstice by having this beautiful evergreen tree to remind us of sort of the, the cycles cycle of, of nature, of cycle of life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a cool tradition. Let's sort of, you know, yep. <clears throat> move it on over to our Christmas celebration. No, but I mean... There's a lot of thought that Jesus was absolutely not born on December 25th. Maybe not even born in the winter, 
Um, but I've heard theories that he was born in the spring. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was reborn in the spring, right? But, uh, oh, there you go, <laughs> Easter. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but you know, some thought that hmm, well, the solstice is right around there. Maybe we Christians need to have a little holiday around there too. So it's a great time yeah, to celebrate. Kind of yeah. Acculturation, uh, but you know, that's I've heard the op a little bit of an opposite, right? So you did a little oppositional Please, research. Please give me so your oppositional I have research. Heard like that is a very prevalent thing. Yeah. Right, that the Christians uh, co-opted yep. the pagan tree thing. But I did read recently a really interesting thing about, um, about the Christmas tree, that in Germany, um, uh, a long, long time ago, uh, in a mm -hmm. faraway galaxy called Germany, uh, <laughs> that they would bring in, um, they would bring in like trees mm -hmm. from the outside because it all started with a play. They would do a play, um, I think it was... Uh, was it called the Passion Play? I can't remember. But at the end of that Passion Play, there was a scene of, gar of the Garden of Eden, right? The Garden of Eden is in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, right? Uh, first book of the Torah. And um, about, you know, these two human beings who were created by God, and then they kind of got into trouble. They went off the tracks and so forth, and then the rest of the Bible takes off from there. But uh, you know how they got off the tracks was by eating an apple, right? Mm -hmm. That they weren't supposed to eat. God said, eat anything in this garden except this one thing. This is what I love about this story because it's like <laughs> God could tell did. me, you know, Roger, you can drink beer, you can drink wine, do not touch that drink. You know what I'm going to go for, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So anyway, they went, for the, they went for the apple. And, mm -hmm. and so that's how, you know, it's, a, it's an allegory, right? About yeah. how humanity disobeyed and all that. But mm -hmm. the Germans, so they would take these trees into their homes and they would decorate them with apples based mm -hmm. on that, that ending scene of that play about the Passion Play oh. of Garden of Eden. And the apple symbolizes the sin of humanity that, you know, through Christ's birth and, and death and, all, and resurrection and all that, uh, overcame that and gave us eternal life. And today, the modern little uh, ornaments, the circular ornaments that you put on your tree are are from the oh, apple. My goodness. Look at that. But, but if you really knew the meaning, that's kind of a buzzkill for your celebration of Christmas. Uh, what do you mean? Like hanging this reminder of sin yes. on our Christmas tree. Fortunately, nobody knows. <laughs> it's like the bloody so, Jesus, right? So good Lutheran that you used to be. Yeah. I was also reading that Martin Luther um, was one of the first to put candles on a Christmas tree. Oh, Have you heard that story before? I think so, but that's way in my memory. Like now. something about, like he was walking home one night and noticed the twinkling stars overhead and all the trees and thought how beautiful that was. And he wanted to sort of recreate that in his own home. Candles on a Christmas tree. Sounds a little unsafe to me. Oh, we did that in my family. It was one of my other favorite memories is on New Year's Eve, uh -huh. right? When the Christmas tree was completely dried out, right? My dad decided to put candles all over the trees. We had these little ornaments. Actual I think they were German. Lit candles lit, and with light the candles. on a dry Christmas tree. I mean, yeah, at the end of and the season. And you're still alive. Right? Yeah, and, and we had a bu bucket. Of, no, it was okay because we had a bucket of water. No, it's okay. It's a Christmas miracle, Father Roger. It's okay. There was water. There was a bucket of water right there in case it caused a. Yeah, oh, I lived to tell this story, but my yeah. My God. It's it was beautiful, though, when the Christmas hmm. tree was all. Oh, until it bursted. I'm, I'm imagining a dry Christmas tree that's a little brown and thinking it's sad. And then still thinking it's a Christmas miracle that you're alive. Yeah. So let's get back to Hanukkah real quick. So like with Hanukkah, uh, what was, what's the deal with the lights, right? Because we're talking about lights, right? So um, the, the rededication of the temple 
involve the, the lighting of, you know, when you think of a menorah mm-hmm. and you're just sort of out there in the world, you're thinking menorah is that, Han- you equate that with a Hanukkah menorah, but menorah just means lantern. Mm. Uh. And in the uh, Beit Hamikdash, which was the, um, the holy temple in Jerusalem, there was a menorah that had seven arms. So one, two, three with one in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, it's like the symbol of the state of Israel. And it, it's, it was the, the lantern in the holy temple. But there's a Hanukkah menorah that has nine candelabra, candle holders. So it's got one, you know, two, four, six, eight, and one in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's your Hanukkah menorah. But when we rededicated the temple, it was, you know, the symbol of lighting that menorah was the symbol of, you know, once it had been purified and we could celebrate in it again and we can offer our sacrifices, the lighting of the menorah. And the story that you've probably heard about why Hanukkah is eight days mm-hmm. is that when the Greeks defiled the temple and took everything out and they broke all the little cruises of holy oil that were used um, in rituals and also for lighting the menorah, um, they missed one little guy and there was that one cruise of oil and it was enough to last for one day and they... They came and they found it and they're like, well, it's going to take eight days to make more or procure more and purify it, but let's light it. And miraculously, that little cruise of oil provided enough for it to burn for eight days. Um, Perhaps, perhaps that is a story based in a little bit of reality. Maybe it was, Mm -hmm. it burned longer than they anticipated it would be able to burn. Um, But the real story of why Hanukkah is eight days is that exactly two months ago, almost to the day, Mm -hmm. there was this little holiday called Sukkot, which is one of our major festivals. That's why you said we were going to be getting back to that. Sukkot. Sukkot Sukkot is an eight-day festival. Looks a little Uh like Palm Sunday in that we walk around the synagogue for eight days and shake palm fronds along also with... um, Eight consecutive days? Eight consecutive days. Mm-hmm. Really seven, and then the eighth day is a whole other wacky holiday, which <laughs> literally wacky, um, where we pray for rain and beat willows on the ground. And it's actually our m- most amazingly baffling and also slightly pagan holiday. Um, but it worked because we, we literally raining rain. cats and dogs, right? Yes. I wore a raincoat when I prayed for rain with us. I actually put a raincoat nice. on um, in the rabbi laughed. Um, but uh, Sukkot is an eight-day holiday. Uh, and the Maccabees, once they were able to purify and rededicate the temple, uh, celebrated Sukkot because it was the festival we had most recently missed. And if you even look historically at Maccabee uh, era coins that were minted, there is one with a lulav because it, the palm, the palm oh. frond with the willows and, oh, I always forget the English name, Hadass. That's Just right. Just give us the Hebrew. Yeah, and a hadas, which is myr- myrtles, myrtles and willows. So the lulav is the palm, the willows, the myrtles, and we have them, and then we hold them together with an etrog, which is a citron, and together we hold the four species, and we shake them together and in a ritual way. It's a it's a it's a great holiday. So those eight days translated to the Hanukkah eight days. Yeah, that's why I it's always days. thought it was about the oil. Yeah, I did so, too. so did I until I started teaching this stuff and then I read the real story. And if you look in the book of Maccabees, it says, and they rededicated the temple and celebrated Sukkot and walked around with Lulav and Etrog. And you can even see coins minted from that period. That. With a Lulav. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's fascinating. The oil story, I think, was the rabbis attempted at adding a divine. Sure. A divine yeah. element because we yeah. wanted to create, this is a post-biblical holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, God's direct, you know, God's direct uh, working is, it would be more subtle. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was the rabbi's way of making, uh, making sense of how, hmm. you know, of a sort of a godly intervention. Okay, so speaking of fascinating uh -huh. holiday traditions, I got one more fascinating yeah. holiday tradition that very few people know about. Very few people know about because we don't celebrate it that much anymore. Uh -huh. Ghost stories at Christmas time. Yeah. Ghost no, stories. I don't know anything about that. Like the ghost of that. Christmas past? Well, yeah, you hit it right on the... Charles right, Dickens? Charles Dickens, Scrooge, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. and, and there's other ghost stories. In fact, Dickens used to um, write a monthly or weekly article for a local newspaper there in London. And every week he would, in, in the holidays, he would put in a ghost story. And then he wrote his play on the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future and the whole thing, and it was, but it was actually more than that. It was a whole tradition around that, that on Christmas Eve, people would gather around the fireplace and have drinks and tell ghost stories. Why? Any guesses? Mm, I have no idea. I love this part. We, we, should, we should revive this. It's because <laughs> ghost stories always have a moral to the story, right? Oh. Like, like Scrooge, right? Like yeah. Scrooge, like he woke up Christmas morning and he was so thankful uh -huh. that he was alive that he, was, he, he reformed, hmm. he changed, he repented of his past. And ghost stories are always about, like they always have a moral to the story hmm. to try to teach us that we need to change, we need to become better people, you know, if we need to. And that goes back to like Advent and hmm. the whole thing about hmm. like, let's take this few weeks before Christmas and kind of review who we are and where we want to get better with stuff. So. All right. So at St. Hillary, they're going to start telling ghost stories, I think. I think I'm coming. I'm going to start coming to St. Hillary. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sunday stories. Mass. With, with eggnog. This I Sunday gonna is going to be the second Sunday of Advent. <laughs> ghost story time. <laughs> so how about this one? You said Hanukkah is traditionally not a gift-giving holiday. Christmas is. Yeah. Because of the Magi? Yeah, because of the Magi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Do you know the story on that? Well... There were magi, not kings. We right. three kings of Orient yeah, are. No. Not necessarily <laughs> three of them. Hmm. Right. So that song is just totally wrong on so many levels, but I like it. I've sung also. all the Christmas carols. In college, I would sign up to, to do Christmas, even yeah. Christmas Day, so that my Okay, Christian quick diversion. Friends. What's I mean, your favorite Christmas song? Um, oh, Holy Night. Oh, that's a nice one. That's a nice yeah. one. I would. I would probably choose Joy to the World, but that actually was not written to be a Christmas song. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. It was huh. based on a psalm. It was based on scripture let me, let me that wasn't the Christmas story. Coca-Cola invented it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of Jews wrote Christmas carols, but not the carols, but the Christmas, the modern Christmas songs were all written by Jews. But <laughs> Really? Yeah, a lot of them were. The modern uh, ones. Christmas oh. carols are, they're, I mean, they're just great. <laughs> not the carols. Um, but going anyway, back, I digress. I like We Three I Kings, digress, but sorry. not kings, not necessarily three. We think there were three because they did bring three gifts to Jesus. Gold, oh. frankincense, myrrh. But it doesn't actually say anywhere in the text there were three of them. Um, but yeah, they came bearing these precious, precious gifts um, basically to, to honor this, this newborn child, to just show him how much... They cared how important he was. Um, that's also where the 12 days of Christmas comes from. Huh. Um, so is it 12 days before or 12 after, days after? Okay. Because base, because the, the Magi, let's see, I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole here. Why but not? It's actually, it's actually. <laughs> too late. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's actually two separate stories that we Christians turn into one. 
And the Gospel of Luke is the story about Jesus being born in a manger and the angels and the shepherds. And the Gospel of Matthew is the story about the Magi bringing their gifts to Jesus. So we Christians, when we tell our pretty nativity scene, you know, and it's such a like click, click, it's such a beautiful image. The Magi are often there at the manger, but in the Bible, not so. Two very separate stories. And so Epiphany, which is actually when in the Christian tradition we celebrate the Magi coming, Epiphany, just in the Christian calendar, happens to be 12 days after Christmas Day. So it's basically the 12 days in between Christmas Day and Epiphany Day. Now, we don't even really know for sure that the Magi showed up. It was likely much longer than 12 days after Jesus' birth. Travel times Um, were definitely longer back in those days. (laughs) Yeah, and some people say that he was actually a toddler. Yes, it was years, perhaps, a couple years. Because which gospel is it that said they they went into the house? The house. That's Matthew. They went in the house. Went into the house. Not the stable, not the cave. They they upgraded from a manger by then. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But that's that's the 12 days is the Christmas to Epiphany, which is the the Magi. Um, And that's the gift giving this thought that, you know, we want to just show you how much we love and cherish and honor you by giving these gifts. But, you know, years ago, I decided I give no gifts to anyone. Is that right? It just got so stressful. Yeah. It's very stressful. Yeah. yeah. Yes. How do you, like, the stress of Christmas, it's like, how do we deal with that? Yeah, and that's, see, and that's troubling to me because, if again, if you go back to the original story, the Magi gave these gifts out of joy. Like, isn't there a translation that says something like they... They had exceeding joy upon coming into the house to see it, or something like that. I mean, they were just, they were thrilled. They were amazed. Like, it wasn't something out of stress or out of obligation or out of tension. It was out of pure joy that they, you know, they wanted to give to Jesus. And and you're right. Like, in many ways, the gift-giving tradition has totally left that behind. And it's about stress and obligation. And that's, if we go back to the text, that's not what it was about at all. I mean, it's like if somebody gets you a gift now, you have to rush out and get somebody, give yep. them a gift. And yep. it's like, mm-hmm. so how do we deal? What What do you all think about, y'all, I said y'all. Look at that. Yeah, I know. His southern's coming out. What do you all think about how, how people can deal with stress at the holidays? Any ideas? Mm. Or family squabbles or Ooh. some people get depressed. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, I see a lot of friends who've had loved ones lost and when you get to the holidays they're feeling that that absence more acutely and that's a real that's actually a really a a huge pastoral issue uh Mm -hmm. is 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 being able to identify the people in your community who um you know and and being able to almost just see that proactively reach out and make sure that they're not feeling alone Mm -hmm. um, and that they're feeling supported as they're feeling some grief comes up uh, so that, to me, around all holidays, that seems to be, you know, and then, of course, we all have friends who, you know, are single or have very small families or are estranged from their families and have the same kind of grief and loneliness that comes up at holidays when when all you see around you is people getting together and gathering with their loved ones and their families. And, and that can be really hard. And you feel so, lonely. Yeah. 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 I, have, I have two thoughts on that from the, from the Christian tradition. For me... That's really one of the gifts of the Advent season that we've already talked about, um, is that, you know, that's a way to sort of say, hey, you know, it, it doesn't have to be about sort of the razzle-dazzle and the going to the parties and all of that. And, you know, that's fun. I mean, you've, it's fun. It's fun to see the lights. And the, but 
that really is not what sort of the sacred Christmas celebration is about, right? The sacred Christmas celebration is about the birth of the Christ child and what that means that, you know, Jesus is coming into the world. You know, a word that we like to use, Emmanuel, God with us. Um, and so I think that can kind of help, like, you know, if you're in a, a, a darker, grieving, sorrowful place, you know, that's okay, and you don't have to sort of get up into all the lights and stuff. You know, it, it can really be a very personal, very introspective kind of holiday. Um, and I hope that's part of what we can teach, you know, as we celebrate the season of Advent in advance. Um, and then my second thought is actually sort of drawing on the, the solstice. I don't know if you guys do this in the Catholic tradition, but um, in many Protestant Christian churches, we actually have a longest night service oh, no. on the solstice. December 21st, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Some churches call it a blue Christmas. Uh, we're calling ours a longest night service. Um, but a specific sort of time of worship on the longest night of the year, the darkest night of the year, um, to really um, invite those that you mentioned, those who are struggling, those who are, you know, really not in the traditional joyful Christmas spirit, to come and be in worship and sort of a different kind of worship that, that sort of honors the darkness, wow. honors the hard times, honors the struggles. That is amazing. Um, I love that. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, which I think is a real gift for, for folks who are, who are struggling, yeah. who are having a hard time. May I add something about Hanukkah sure. with this? Please. So something, because, you know, we're, we're like, woo, rambling. And I, with the, going back to the, which is <laughs> great. We do best. I mean, we're having so much fun doing that. <laughs> so with the, you know, with the lights, going back to the lights of Hanukkah, mm -hmm. there um, were actually some, you know, each night of Hanukkah, we light an additional candle. So the first night of Hanukkah, mm -hmm. we light one candle. You'll see, too, because the candle's only job, and this is actually a, almost a, a legal, you know, like in terms of observing the ritual properly, um, the candles must not be providing light that you, so you can't read by their light um, because uh, the, you don't want to make your candles work. Their entire job is to be beautiful and provide oh, beautiful wow. light, joyous light. So that's why that, that extra candle uh -huh. is called the shamash, which is basically the helper candle. So you light that candle and it lights the Hanukkah candles and they can't light each other. They can't do work. And you can't have them be the only source of light in your home, wow. even though it looks better that way. Um, and I like to turn all the lights off and just have the Hanukkah candles lit. But actually that's not the proper observance of the light. You want them just to be beautiful. And each night of Hanukkah, you light an additional one. So the first night there's one candle, the second night there's two candles, mm -hmm. the third night, and mm -hmm. the eighth night there are eight candles. And there, there was a rabbinic um, sort of question that came up between two rabbinic schools of thought. Do you start with eight and then reduce, or do you start with one and go up to eight? And there are two mm. traditions, but the one where we increase the light through the holiday is mm -hmm. the one that, that won out. Um, and so it's, it's all about the light, the celebration of freedom to practice our religion. You know, there's all that, mm -hmm. all that stuff that we're celebrating because we, we won the victory was to practice our religion freely. Yeah. Um, but that light in the darkest time of the year. Yeah. To focus on the light. To focus like on the light. Feeling. It's called, it's actually yeah. called the Festival of Lights. Huh. Yeah, I would say similar for Advent, right? I mean, we have the Advent wreath. We light a candle yeah. every Sunday Hope, of Advent. joy, peace, and love, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and then we um, often will read the opening of the Gospel of John. The, a light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not, cannot, will not overcome it. Um, but I have a question. Okay, 
you okay, I'm going to take us down this road now. So, you know, often for us in Advent and Christmas, there's a lot of talk about light and dark, light and dark. Um, and, you know, we try to be really careful at Westminster that it's not light, good, dark, bad. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm curious, you know, you just talked a lot about the light too. So, for example, the longest night service, you know, the darkest night of the year, that's not a bad thing. You know, sometimes in the darkest night we find comfort, we find healing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just sort of curious, is that sort of a in, in metaphor that y'all use at all? In Hanukkah, that metaphor is not one that's come up where I've seen it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. It's a disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> um, but um, in in you know, in our, our appreciation of light, we have uh, in, in our morning worship service, we have a prayer that's really at one of, one of the climaxes of our prayer service mm -hmm. where we, we are thankful for light and, um, and we, we certainly contrast it with darkness, mm -hmm. but don't see the darkness as evil, mm. which is funny because in the liturgy, uh, the text I think from Isaiah, where um, creator of light and creator of darkness, maker of Are you literally peace. translating yes. from Hebrew in yes. your head right now? Yes. I, wow. I can see maker the of, real Maker of peace <laughs> and creator of evil is the original biblical text. And in mm -hmm. our liturgy, we took it word for word. But instead of using the word evil, we used darkness. Um, mm. no, 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 we didn't. We used everything. No, Hakol, because darkness was creator of light and darkness. Um, but we certainly contrast light and darkness, knowing that you can't appreciate the light without, without the darkness. Without the other, right? Yeah. Um, but darkness, I don't think, is really equated with evil in our tradition at all. Oh, yeah. That know? is fascinating. I've never thought about that question. You know, in really? The, yeah. In the Catholic tradition, I don't know what the answer to that really is. Mm -hmm. But in the Catholic tradition, um, there's been a long-standing emphasis on inclusion, like both and. The, the phrase is both uh. and, not either or. Uh. And, um, and I love that. I'll have to think about that. Mm -hmm. that's, that's great. Mm -hmm. yeah. huh. What do you know? So, anything else we should talk about? There, or if, should... If we can break, I actually had some notes and there were a couple things I feel like I'm missing, but they're not. But I'm just having a good time talking. I don't think you need that. I don't think you need that. You like dreidel, covered... the, the dreidel game and the... I think you know. we've covered a ton. Hun. Yeah. And if anyone is still listening, they get a gold star. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. If you're still here. If anyone has stuck with us this long, so, good for you. Naomi. Yes. Would you take us away with a rendition of Oh Holy Night? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I remember the word. I haven't sung it in a line. Oh I wanna Yeah. Oh holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Help me with the words. Long lay the world in sin and error pining Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. What happened? I forgot the words. I haven't sung it in like 20 years. A new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, was born, oh, night, divine, oh, 
I, I used to sing Christmas carols all the oh. time. And that, I know theologically, it's not really part of my theology. And it is so... And the music is beautiful. The music is beautiful and yeah. the theology is beautiful. It, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Should, do we have a Chris, uh, uh, Hanukkah song? Not one that beautiful. Nope. All right. All right. The only one I know is dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. dreidel. Oh, I made it out of clay. Yes, I, I, we have alternative lyrics to that. I have a little dreidel. I made it out of latka. I put oh. it on the shelf and it turned into vodka. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, have, I have hundreds of alternative ones, but that is my favorite adult verse. Um, That's funny. We actually, I do have a favorite song that is not known. And I don't, I don't even have all the words here. It's an Israeli song about a little candle oh. that sends its light out to protect you know to protect the soldiers on their watches and it's actually very beautiful and huh. maybe next next year there we'll do go. this again next year and i'll Perfect. come we'll prepared we'll there's some really song. beautiful songs and and there are children it's a lot of children's songs uh you nice. know great songs i don't have one that's like really yeah okay you know? next next episode see we got to have a hook to bring everyone back to us oh. again we get to hear one of Naomi's we'll have a song favorite songs. Oh, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll need to be prepared. <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us for this first, first uh, episode of that. A Priest, a and Minister, and a Rabbi Walk Into a Bar at Christmas. Thank Christmas you, Father Cup. Roger, for thinking this out. Good job. I am the priest. You are the? Minister. And I'm the cantor. cantor. <laughs> rabbi, sort of. Yeah. Singing rabbi. The, the Jewish clergy person. Cler yes. Happy holidays. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays.